0: How are you all doing this morning? Yeah. So cool to be here. I just want to honor your pastors, Denise and Daryl. Who, who thinks your pastors are amazing? Come on. Give them a big hand. Just so great. No, I, I tell you, you know, you guys got some good ones. Uh, and, I, and I say that with absolute sincerity, you know. So, uh, you know, they're not all like this, you know. And so uh, so look after these guys because they'll look after you. Amen, somebody. And, uh, and I, I just, I'm excited. I actually am excited to be here in this building uh, before the next one. Who's ready for the next one? I, I just, I, I need you guys to have photographic memories. Take pictures of everything you see around here so you don't forget where you came from. You know, because often you get into these new buildings and you forget where you've come from, but this is your legacy. Remember, God is the God of Abraham uh, Isaac and Jacob, he, he always reminded the nation of where they came from. And so just just take lots of photos, selfies, whatever you do, and, um, and, uh, and just enjoy this moment before you step into the next moment. Sometimes we're so eager to get to the next one, we forget to enjoy where we are right now. And God's doing something here. It's very clear to see. Uh, I, I um, so I bring you greetings from my church to your church. Uh, we're one church anyway. Come on, let's let's be real. We're Elam right throughout the country. So, if you're ever in our neck of the woods, please come and say hello. Uh, I, just, I heard some, some Cantabrians here as well. That's great <laughs> seeing some anointed people in this room. Eh, it's like great, so good. I knew I felt at home here, and um, and uh, so so we're, we're excited. Who's ready for the word? I just want to thank him and and, uh, Dave. I stayed at their mansion last night. And, uh, oh, my goodness, you know, I I, I was too too afraid to jump in the pool, though. It looked a bit too cold. But uh, thank you so much for looking after us. You're amazing. And uh, the breakfast looked good this morning. And uh, all right, so come on, let's just pray. Let's just ask God to uh, be with us this morning. Father, we just honor you in this place. Lord, we just surrender all to you in the next few moments. We just pray that you would just come and speak to us a word in season for us as a church, uh, for us individually. Lord, that you would speak not man, but you. Uh, So Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit would say this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, the title of this message is Compassion Changes Lives. And uh, Compassion Changes Lives. Now, I... I just think if there's anything in in uh, within our characteristics as a church uh, that will ultimately change a person's lives, uh, a life, it's compassion. The more compassionate the church is portrayed, the more attractive the church becomes. Uh, if we are just a church that's fully judgmental and pointing fingers at what everyone is doing wrong, uh, then that's just going to that's going to keep people away from the church. Amen. Anyone know what I'm talking about? We, you know, so. So I want to take us to a couple of passages where compassion was so clear that it would impact not only the lives of those uh, in that moment, but the lives of those uh, um, that would uh, come after. So I want to take you to two scriptures this morning, uh, if that's all right. We're in church, so we're allowed to read the Bible. Amen. All right, so uh, John 8, 2 and verse 11, it says this, it says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts. We all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. And uh, in the law of Moses, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. Now, now a lot of theologians and scholars say that he actually wrote out uh, the Ten Commandments again. Uh, I say he was just drawing pictures to annoy those who were accusing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he was just biding his time, just like he's getting, these guys are boiling, their blood's boiling, he's not saying anything. Anyway, he bends down and he starts to write in the ground. Uh, when they keep on asking him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, Ha ha, LOL, I think that's what he wrote. (laughs) And uh, at this, those uh, who heard began to go away one at a time, Uh, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. Uh, With the woman standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go go now and leave your life of sin. Oh, man, that's so powerful. Let me take you to another passage. Luke 19, 1 to 10, it says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. And uh, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because of his short, uh, he was short and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him uh, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. uh, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up. And said to the Lord, Lord, uh, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Can I just say this morning, compassion changes lives. If we in the church can demonstrate the heart of God to those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are far away, let me tell you, it will change their lives. If we can reveal the true heart of God. Now, these uh, two passages are great. And typically, they are like every other story. I don't know if you've ever watched, uh, say, like Terminator. Anyone, uh, you know, when we watched Terminator, what was the famous line out of Terminator? Terminator. I'll be back, you know, or hasta la vista, baby, you know, and uh, we often, you know, read these stories, and we put ourselves in these uh, kind of scenarios, we put ourselves there, but often we look at, it, now, every, every good story will, will have a villain, right, there's always a villain, there's always somebody in distress, and there's always a hero, now, when we watch these movies or we read these stories, we put ourselves in one of these categories. Now, often it's either going to be the one in distress or the hero. Often we don't look at ourselves as the villain. Now, that's great. You know, I remember my brother, we had just, uh, my brother's a lot older than I am, and uh, when we were kids, we watched E.T. How many remember E.T.? You know, point, point your finger up there, you know, we want to go home. And uh, he got so inspired by E.T. Straight after the movie, he, he wrapped a blanket around me and he uh, put a basket in front of his bike and he told me to get in. You know, it was like, and uh, we were so, he was so moved by it. You know, I don't know if you remember Rocky. I love the oldies, you know, and i like, you know, Adrian, you know. You know, after watching that, I was like wanting to go around and call out Adrian. There was no Adrian in my life, you know. And, uh, and so we, we often put ourselves as the hero or the one in distress, but very rarely do we see ourselves as the villain. Now, the qu- real question is this, how would others describe us in the same story? When they look at our lives, when they encounter us, do they see us as the one in distress or the hero or the villain? Now, these first these stories that you'll, you'll find are very similar in their account, and all of them reveal the nature and the heart of God for his people. Now, let's look at it a little closer. Now, the first fact that I want to share this morning is this, that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were the accusers. I, I want to make that real clear to us today. Now, often... Uh, um, you know, in and, and society, as, as was the case with uh, the teachers of the law, they were seen as the men and women of God, or the men of God, right? They were the godly ones, the innocent ones. But often, when Jesus came onto the scene, He had so much more problems with them than anyone else. Why? Because they were constantly accusing everyone of what they were doing wrong. Now, the period between... The Old Testament and the New Testament. The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. The first book in the New Testament is Matthew. There was a period of about 400 years. 400 years where God was silent. 400 years where God stopped speaking through prophets and through the prophetic word. And 400 years where people were left to their own devices to try and figure out what God was up to and what they should do in order to follow God. Anybody with me this morning? And, and so in that 400-year period, of course, humans being humans, they're going to take what was beautiful and, and if left to their own devices, can easily corrupt it. And such was the case with the law. I mean, the law in itself was good. The law in itself was great. And often people ask you, ask me, like, no, no, what was there so many laws in Scripture? Why were there, it wasn't just 10, there was a whole lot of laws. But each one in itself was designed to help us. Each one was designed to safeguard us. I mean, laws are great, right? And, uh, like, for example, I'm a big footy fan. I've just been in the Philippines, and I've just come back, and I realized that the World Cup is being live streamed. Well, nobody told me that before I left, you know. And so I haven't watched a World Cup game yet. I think I watched highlights of them, you know. And so help me, somebody. You know, And, uh, and anyway... So in rugby, when uh, rugby league, there was this law that was brought out in 2012, and that was they banned shoulder charge. You know what a shoulder charge is? It's when you don't use your arms, you tint your, your, your arm, you know, tuck it to your elbow, your elbow to your side, and you kind of, you know, all your weight, you know, it's just velocity, it's a like mass versus velocity and speed, whatever. I'm not a scientist, you know, and, uh, and, and just impacting uh, the other person. Now, the reason they brought this law in uh, was because it was causing great damage to those on the receiving end. It was actually really dangerous. And they say, I think, um, there was a report of one guy who, was, who received trauma, head trauma, as a result of a shoulder charge, that he actually died, a young 20-something-year-old. So laws are actually good. They provide, what, safeguard for each and every one of us. But laws can be easily corrupted. Amen. Amen if we don't kind of uh, figure out what we're supposed to do. Okay, the second fact that I wanted to share this morning was that the cultural norm of the time that Jesus was around was one of guilt and shame. When you look at the story of Zacchaeus, now, let me just stop for a second. Zacchaeus was a short guy, and he had to climb a tree in order to see Jesus, can I just say, your disadvantage, can, God can turn around to become your blessing. What, what you think is a disadvantage in your life, God can actually use to bless your life and to become a catalyst for more blessing to come your way. So don't ever discount yourself just because you, you, you're not educated enough, you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, you, don't, you come from somewhere else. You know, if, if you think uh, your disadvantage, God can actually use and turn around. What the enemy meant for bad, God can turn around for good. Somebody say amen this morning. So here was the situation with Zacchaeus, so so blown away by Jesus. You know, I think Jesus was salmon because he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to eat. You know, that's just like, the, that's a clue. They're like, Jesus was salmon, Israeli salmon, something like that. You know, and anyway... Uh, and, and, and it says there in that passage that all the people, not just a few, it said all the people muttered in disdain. It was a cultural norm. There, there was actually a, a systemic culture of guilt and shame that Jesus was attacking. It wasn't just individuals, it wasn't just the Pharisees, no, this was, it says all the people And so a lot of the time, Jesus wasn't just attacking the religious leaders. He was attacking the culture of the day. You know, we in the church, not just dealing with religion, we're dealing with a systemic culture that is anti-Christ, that is anti-church, that is anti-compassion. And the only way we can overcome that is to reveal the heart of God. Amen, somebody. I mean, they gotta, when they meet us, they've got to know there's something different about us. It can't just be that, that, that we look good on a Sunday. But on Monday, they see the real us, and they realize, hey, you were the same yesterday as you are today. They see the love of Christ. Is anybody with me? Um, it says here, Matthew 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. How was he so different from the teachers of the law? Well, wow, he just taught as one who had compassion and not judgment and spirit. That's what, that's what blew them away. It was like this guy's teaching from a heart. He's just not sticking to a letter, the letter of the law. You know, religion uh, accuses, Christ accepts. Religion reacts, Christ restores. Religion chastises, Christ changes. Religion traps, Christ transforms. We're not called to establish religion. We're called to lift up the name of Jesus everywhere we go. Compassion changes lives, not religion. Religion will trap life. I, I've just come from the Philippines where religion is rampant. It's a country that, that uh, knows God. It's a country that knows Jesus. But it's it's also a country that's full of oppression. Why? Because it's bound by religious uh, leaders. It's bound by religious laws. It's bound by religious institutes. And so we, know, we need to shine the light of Jesus and keep pointing people not to the man of God, but to the God of man. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, somebody. Right. So... How do we develop a culture of compassion? I'm glad you asked this question. It's a great question. And uh, the first thing, and I know you're taking notes, it says, we need to recognize we are all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, no, don't do that. No, I was like, you know, we're all sinners. I'm so happy about that that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to perform. I can just be myself. I know, I know my shortcomings. If you, don't, if you want to know them, just ask my wife. She'll tell you every single one. She's going to write a book later on about it. You know, and uh, just everything, I've, you know, and I, I'm so glad that in my mess, God can take me and still use me for the purpose and the plan of God that he has for me. And, 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 and if we can get over that first hurdle, let me tell you, it will change the way you look at church, it will change the way you look at yourself, it will change the way you look at each other. You will, will stop looking at each other from eyes of condemnation and eyes of judgment because you realize, well, they're just they're, I'm no better than that person. We're all the same, saved by grace. It's only grace that sets us free. It's, it's grace that saved me. If I was left to my own devices, I wouldn't be here today. But praise God that He knew better than me, and He rescued me. He pulled me up out of darkness, set my feet on solid ground, and I'm walking in the light of Christ. But the great news is this, that I'm no different from anybody else in this room. That there is no special anointing on my life. That God is, is just, it's the same God, the same Holy Spirit that's in me is available for each and every one of you. So you too can lay hands on the sick and see them healed. Amen, somebody. You too can speak the truth in grace and in love. You too can, can uh, stand on, on the purpose and plan that God has for your life. Why? Because you recognize that you are, we are all only here and we're all only saved by grace. That's what a compassionate heart starts from. It starts when you recognize, man, I... It wasn't my, my, my eloquence of words that impressed God so much that he would hear my prayer. It's because of his goodness, his love, his grace. It had nothing to do with me. I, I just was smart enough to realize I need help. So I, one night I got on my knees and I cried out for help. And then he saved me. Amen, somebody. You know, I love that about Elam. You know, let, let me just blow the Elam trumpet for a moment. I love that about us and our DNA. You know, we say uh, we, we accept all people. In, in, our, in our DNA, in our culture, we say, come as you are. We, we don't want you to be perfect before you walk through the doors. We just want you to walk through the doors. So you just come as you are. You, you bring everything with you. I don't, I don't care what it looks like for you, but you just come as you are. You know, God would do the work in you. You don't have to be perfect before you walk into these doors. We, we, we accept every person, not every behavior, because we know God wants to transform your life. He doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to actually take you from one level of strength to another. I praise God that, that, that He's able to elevate me, not myself, but he is able to elevate me, and I've gone from one level of, of, of strength to another, each and every time. Is anybody hearing me this morning? There are no perfect people in the room. Praise God for that. Wow, well, maybe Cantabrians are pretty close. No way. Okay, I just lost half the room We do have a rugby team that wins often, so, you know, I'm just saying, it's just like, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have a team? No, that was a joke, that was a joke, carry on, carry on, all right. Okay, the the second thing is this, how do we develop a culture of compassion? Number one, recognize we are all sinners and only saved by grace. Number two, we've got to value intimacy and relationship. I mean, I don't know how many years, I mean, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but... This never changes, like this fact never changes. How do you grow in God? There's no—it's not. like a. Uh, there's no app to fast-track you into the presence of God. You just gotta. You just gotta get on your knees, and you just gotta pray. You know, I was in a. I was in a meeting uh, with Pastor Tuck Barna the other. Uh, the other month, and, and and if you know Pastor Tuck, he he just has this simple philosophy. We need to pray and seek God, and that's how the church will be established, that's how our lives will be transformed, that's how our lives will be built, it's just, it's not rocket science, and this, this hasn't changed in the whole time I've been walking with the Lord, it's still the principle that supersedes every other principle, I know we would love to get that book, or that CD, or that video that tells us what we're supposed to do, but this really is it. So underline, underscore this, and just say it's intimacy with God. That does not change. You know, Zacchaeus sat, uh, sorry, Jesus sat in the house of Zacchaeus, and it changed his life. And then not only did it change his life, but because his life was changed, he would change the lives of those around him. That's it. Intimacy. Can we get on our knees again? And can we worship God? You know, I know in a room this size, there will be a lot of people here who have walked with the Lord for a long time. Can I just say to you, don't forget your first love. Don't forget what you did at first. you remember those good old days? I don't know about you, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I was just on fire for God. I mean, I went to every single pre-meeting I could find. I went to the youth prayer meeting, I went to the kids prayer meeting, I went to the men's prayer meeting, I went to the women's prayer meeting, you know, I went to, it didn't matter. I, I just wanted to be where God was. Come on, how many of us, you know, need to get back to that place again? You know, life gets busy, so we're told. I think that's one of the biggest lies that we're told. I'm busy. No, you're not. You got time if you if you if if you're if you're on netflix and you're just you know you you're just you know just watching movie after movie and then you've got time you got time to be with god it just it just takes a moment just to sit in the presence of god and it will change your life you'll become a nicer person on the inside you know the bible says that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of So if you want to change the way you're speaking, change the way you're communicating, change what's being demonstrated on the outside, it starts with changing what's going on on the inside. Is anybody hearing me this morning? You can't give what you don't have. You can only give what you have. You want grace to give to those who need it? You've got to understand what grace is for yourself. If you want to give compassion and love to those around you, you got to get a revelation of what that looks like for you. You can only give what you have. Somebody say Amen. The the third thing is this: How do we develop a culture of compassion? We got to focus on salvation for all. Amen. amen. Jesus came ultimately to seek and to save that which was lost. Now I don't know about you, but I read this article recently uh, that that suggested that Christianity is not just plateaued, it's actually now in decline. There are more people in New Zealand that profess no religion than there are that profess Christianity. The first time in the history of New Zealand this has happened. (coughs) This has only come out this week or this last week. This is the first time, and I don't know how you feel about that statement, but I'm absolutely frustrated with it. Because I look back in my life and I go, well, so what has the last 20 years been all about? If if we're just doing church for the chosen and the already saved and they're already going to heaven and they're already blessed and they're already anointed. If church is just for us, if we're just going to build a campfire and sing Kambaya around it, then count me out. I don't want that. I want to I I know that there are people like the eight that stood up here this, this morning and said, I want to follow Jesus with everything I've got. My life's not perfect. I'm not an angel, but I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And, 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 and it's got to burn deep within us, friends. Come on, everyone look this way. It's got to be a burning sense, a desire for each and every one of us to seek out and to save that which is lost. There is a lost and hurting world out there that needs the answer, and we hold the answer. We have it. I'm so grateful that a young guy parked me out as an 18-year-old and said, No, you need to come to my means group. You need to come to my connect group. And I was going... I, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church my whole life. I went to Sunday school, did everything that you're supposed to do, stood up when the pastor said, stand up, Sat down when the pastor said, sit down. And I did everything, wore well, my Sunday best, you know, whatever it was, that, that's, I, that was my life. But not once did anybody say that in order for me to know the reality of, of, of heaven, that I've got to have a relationship with Jesus, not once. In my 18 years, until a friend of mine said, "No, you need to come to church. Oh, you need to come to my connect group. I turned up in this connect group, and there's all these Maori and Samoan boys who are just crying out to the Lord with their hands raised, never seen this before in my life, and they were just worshiping God. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And I realized there was something that they had that I didn't have. And then I went home and I said, Lord, if you are real, then I want to know you. And in my bedroom, I gave my heart to the Lord. Come on, there is a hurting world. There's a world out there that needs the reality of the gospel. Is anybody hearing me this morning? You know, J- Jesus came to establish a new culture. It was radical in its way its teaching. Why? Because it was counterculture. God is wanting to establish this culture of compassion for each and every one of us here this morning. Can I just say to us, our lives can matter to each and every individual we come into contact with. We're not gonna judge. We're not gonna point fingers. We're not gonna say, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong. No, we're just gonna say, hey, I know a God that loves you as you are. If we can establish that, I'm telling you, it'll change lives. Your life would be different. Your life will change. You know, often people have images of God. God is God creator. He's Father. He's the great I am. He's the judge. He's almighty God. But what we don't really kind of view him as is this, uh, often we don't kind of see him as compassionate. Well, the will doesn't. And often in the church, we don't either. But Jesus said this, I can't do anything except what I see the Father doing. That which I do, the Father does. That's what the Father does, I do also. God is a compassionate God. His heart breaks for the least. He would leave 99 and go looking for one. That's his heart. And it hasn't changed. And I just want to encourage you as a church, you've yet to see what God is going to do in your heart and in your life. I, I believe for this church, as I close this morning, I just want to say to you, I believe you're, you're, you're heading into a new season in the, in the natural, but you're also going to head into a new season in the spiritual. And I, and I believe that God is going to lift you, elevate you uh, to a whole new level spiritually. Like you're sitting here right now and you've been listening to message and you often do that every Sunday, but God's going to plant a message on your heart that He's going to get you to communicate and uh, He's going to get you to preach and He's going to get you to declare. And that message is going to see people come to know Him for the very first time. I, I believe there are evangelists, there are uh, uh, prophets, there are apostles in this room right now. And, and you've just been... Doing life. Yeah, you've told yourself I'm just a little bit busy to really go for God. But God is gonna shift that as and as you do, you're gonna see your life just go like this. You're just gonna your life is gonna accelerate. Actually, you're you're, you're gonna look back at the past few years of your life and you won't believe for once that it's been wasted because God's just been preparing you. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So, I'd love to finish by praying for you this morning if I can. Is that okay? I like like to pray for people. So, can we all just stand? Is that okay where we are? You guys will know this. John 3 16. For God so loved the church. He so loved the church. He so loved the broken. He so loved the lost, so loved the hurting, he so loved the discouraged. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God has compassion for the lost, he's compassion for his children. We're all his children created in his image. But he needs us to go back out there to the highways and the byways of society and our businesses and our schools and our homes and wherever we are and to be compassionate, not judgmental, but be compassionate. So right now, while you're standing, I'd love for you to just close your eyes for a moment. If you're here this morning, before I pray for each and every other person here today, if you're here this morning and you know that you need to get in a right relationship with God. That you, maybe you're here today and you walked with the Lord for a long time, but you've walked away. And some sequence of events brought you here this morning. Friends, I want to say to you, it's time to come home. It's time to give your heart to Jesus again. It's time to put Him first in your life. Maybe you're here also. And you, and this is the, this is a new phenomenon for you. This is like a whole new experience. But right now, God, you're feeling this tug in your spirit, this tug in your heart. And what I want to say to you, that's the Spirit of God saying it's time for you to choose me. If you choose Jesus, friend, I want to say to you, He will radically change your life. You will not be the same. You will walk out of these doors different and your life will be transformed. Why? Because He transforms you from the inside out. So right now, while every eye's close and head bowed, if that's you today, if you're here in this meeting and you know you just need to get right with Jesus, either come back to know Him or or, or to give a heart to Him for the very first time, while every eye's close and head bowed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Church, help me out here this morning. I want everybody to repeat these words. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. This morning, in this place, I ask you to come into my heart to be Lord of my life. I ask your forgiveness for everything I've done wrong. All the sin, all my mistakes. I thank you for your grace. You are now Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody just keep your eyes closed for a moment longer. If that's you, you've prayed that prayer, first time or prayer recommitment, on a count of three, I'd love for you just to pop, pop up your hand, just as an indicator to me, no one else, and uh, just an indicator for me, already for people putting their hands up. On a count of three, Just put your hand up nice and high so I can see and acknowledge you. One, put your hand up nice and high. Two, I just want to bless you this morning. Three, on the count of three. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Down the back there, it's great. Who else is there this morning? Who else is there today? Who else is there? Thank you, Lord God. Just, Just a moment longer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Come on, everyone just lift their hands with me this morning. Father, in your wonderful name, we just honor you today for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your peace has saved us. And today, every life is set free because of you. Set on solid ground. So we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray a blessing over this church. Continue to cause it to flourish and increase. And I believe a new season is on its way. We honor you always, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say it. Amen.